reading, so it'll be on the screen. But if you've got your Bibles with you and you want to open to Hebrews 11, I will do the first part. Thank you. So the first part, we're going to read Hebrews 11, 1 to 16. Um, and there's a little refrain in this, so I thought we'd be a little bit interactive. There's a refrain throughout it that says, it was by faith. So when I say it was by, you say, there we go. Right, here we go. So faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, it says. Before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like stars in the sky and sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, then they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for this. this is Remember our refrain? We're going to carry on from verse 17. Okay, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his son, 
Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorstep so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised them. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Am I switched on now? Ah, there we go. My wife tells me all the time that I'm not switched on, but there you go. <clears throat> it's a real pleasure to be with you um, again this morning. I came in February, and that day, my daughter got engaged. I came in May, when some of our best friends, their daughter got baptised, and I couldn't go, so I sent my wife. I came in July, and that week it was my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. I'm here today, and next week my daughter gets married. So I kind of always know when I've been at London Road, lower stuff, something significant happens. I hope, unless you've been snoozing, you'll know where we're going this morning and you'll know what we're looking at and what we're doing. But I just want to fill in a little bit of, of why I find myself with this passage and these themes. I've been thinking for a little while, it's not one that I need. We live in strange times, don't we? Tottenham, top of the league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, I just couldn't resist it, really, as a Spurs fan myself. But <laughs> yeah, just fill in a little bit of why, why I found myself with this passage and with this theme and why I thought it would be good for us this morning. I have, I have been watching on the um, internet and your website and the things that are going on in your midst, and there was nothing that was coming to me strongly. But one of the things that I've been thinking about probably for about three months now is this, and it's a really strange question. And I keep promising myself, one day I'll write a book. Does everyone sort of think a bit like that? And, and one of the chapters would, might be, how emotional is God? How emotional is God? It's an unusual question, isn't it? But it's a good, it sort of sticks with you. And when you start to think about it, the Bible tells us that God hates some things. He tells us that he loves some things. He tells us that he's patient. It gives him all sorts of qualities that, when we think about it, actually are the qualities that we feel quite often in our emotions. And yet, the family I was brought up in, I was taught to be a bit careful of my emotions. I was told that God is also God of my emotions, and that my emotions are something of a reflection of who God has made me to be. But then, just a few weeks ago, I was reminded of the verse that we've read together there that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God will not be pleased with me, happy with me, thrilled to bits with me, unless I can respond to him in faith, unless I can step out with him in faith. And so faith is what I'd like us to consider this morning. And how can we build a, a life of faith? 40 verses. If you broke it all down, there's probably at least 40 points. Just going to look at a few this morning. But starting from that thought that without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he, uh, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So first of all, what is this faith? Faith is this. It's first believing even though I can't see it. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. As human beings, we often say things like, and there's a man in the Bible who says this, who is, who is very famous, I'll believe it when I see it. And God in this passage is saying to us, no, that's back to front. There are things that you have to believe in order to see. If you think about it, it applies in some other aspects of life, doesn't it? If you're an architect playing in a building, you've got to believe in it before you can see it. If you're an artist creating a sculpture or a picture, faith is believing when you haven't yet seen it. There was a man, Warner Von Braun, I found this quote from him. He, he's known as the father of the space age. He built the rockets that took men to the moon, the Saturn rockets, the Atlas rocket. There has never been any significant achievement in human history that was not accompanied by faith. It all started because somebody believed it was possible. 
believed it in advance of it happening. Faith turns dreams into reality. It's believing before I see. The second thing um, that I want to say about faith this morning is this. Faith is obeying even when I don't understand why I need to obey. And God gives us a couple of exhibits here. Exhibit A is a man called Noah. Think of the doubts that this man might have had. God comes to him one day and says, I'm going to wipe out the whole world and start again with you. That would be doubt enough, wouldn't it? But then he tells Noah to build an ark in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near the sea, because God's going to bring the sea to him. Hebrews 11:7 it says, It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about something that had never happened before. Faith, the Bible says, is obeying, even if I don't understand exactly why I'm meant to obey. And exhibit number two is a man called Abraham. Verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to go out to a country God had promised him. He left his own country without knowing where he was going. As a reminder, he did this at the age of 75. He lived in a place that we know today as Iraq, Ur of the Chaldeans. Just about the stage of life when he should be well into his retirement and settled with his hobbies, he turns to his wife and says, we're off on an adventure with God. The first part of the passage that Esther wrote, uh, read to us paints this picture of the people hoping for, having faith in, being called towards a promised land. There's a question, isn't it? With today's news, God and his faithfulness to a people... Actually, it's God's faithfulness to his own promise, isn't it? He promised these things, and he is being faithful to his own promise. But Abraham went to a place that he'd never heard of. He went to a place where he didn't know how long it would take to get there. He went to a place where he didn't even know when he'd arrive. And God says, I'll look after those details. It's more of our nature, isn't it, to want to know some of those details in advance. It's more of our nature to say, I want to see, I want to see it, and then I'll obey. So faith is believing when I don't see it, it's obeying when I don't understand it. And here in this passage, I did debate whether to press this one, but we, we will. Faith is giving when I don't have it. Faith and giving go together. God uses our finances to test our faith. I don't know whether you've ever had to choose between putting something in the church offering and paying a bill. Maybe this morning you're in that situation. They're not easy times for us, for many of us, are they? In Hebrews 11, in this hall of fame, the first man who gets an honorary mention is 
Abel. Abel gets listed not because he did something great, not especially great. He had no great achievements or accomplishments. The thing that he is famous for, the thing that is mentioned about his faith, is that he made an offering to God. It was faith that made Abel's offering to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved his giving, faith, offering, giving. And we need to connect them all together because the Bible is talking here about giving in faith. And this morning I want to perhaps challenge you. Maybe there's more than one way to give. Maybe there's two ways to, to give. You can give by faith or you can give by fear. You can give by reason or you can give by revelation. To give by reason, we sit down with a spreadsheet and we look at our bank account and we work out what we can afford and we give a reasonable amount compared to what we can afford. It doesn't require faith. Or we could ask God what he wants us to forgive and let him show us what he wants us to give. Jesus up the ante, didn't he? I want everything, he says. 2 Corinthians 8.3, this is the messiest, most disorganized church in the New Testament. And 2 Corinthians 8.3 says this, because of their great joy, this is the people in the church, they gave even more than they could afford. Because of their great joy, they gave even more than they could afford. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, haven't you? God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what the, the word, the, the Greek word for cheerful is in the Old Testament? You won't forget it once you've heard it. The Greek word for cheerful is hilarios, from which we get the word. <laughs> God loves a hilarious giver. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, it's something that Jesus said a lot as well. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God is saying, you can try and give me everything you've got and I'll always give you more. Faith is giving when I don't have it. Fourth thing that I see here, or pick out here, is this. Faith is persisting when I really don't feel like it. That's the opposite of our culture, isn't it? We tend to do things based on our feelings. If it feels good, do it, is a phrase that's as old as the hills. We live by our emotions, and it causes us to give up too early on some things. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when I don't feel like being nice to people. There are times when I feel like sitting in front of the telly and ignoring the world. There are times when I don't, I can say this without my wife here, can I? I can say I don't feel like doing the housework. I don't always feel like talking. Perhaps shockingly, I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. 
But faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. Faith is doing the right thing even when you're tired, even when you're in a sulk. If you're a parent or a grandparent at the end of half term, you're probably a little tired. And faith is keeping going. How do you develop persistence? This passage gave us some outlines. It gives us an example of a guy called Moses. By faith, Moses left Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king's anger. He's talking about Pharaoh. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. I'm sure most of you will know the story of Moses quite well. He led an entire nation that had been in slavery for hundreds of years out into the wilderness, through the Red Sea, out onto the Sinai Peninsula, and they travelled around in circles for 40 years. A long time to wait in a desert. And yet we're told he held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Keeping your eye on God keeps you persistent. And some of you today might have come into this building and you are at a quitting point. You feel like giving up. Maybe this morning you feel like giving up on something really significant. Your marriage, your career, a significant friendship. You might even be thinking of giving up on church. If you're a bit younger, you might wish you could give up on school or college. Things just seem too hard. You might be saying within yourself, I just can't see it getting any better. And on the authority of God's word this morning, I want to say to you, hang in there. Don't give up. Keep believing even though you can't see it. Keep obeying even though you don't understand it. Keep giving even if you don't feel as though you've got it. And keep persisting even though you don't feel like it. Two more things quickly, and then I'm going to hand back to Andrea. Faith is thanking God before I've got it in my hands. Thanking God before I've received the gift. Towards the end of the passage that Esther read, we had Joshua. Hebrews 11.30 By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the people had marched around them for seven days. After Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt from Pharaoh into the Promised Land, they went to take over the country, and it was Joshua who took them in. That 40 years of wandering, there's only two of them who made it into the Promised Land, Joshua and Caleb. They come across the capital, Jericho, a fortified city, and the people of God march around the city for seven days, first of all in silence, and then later thanking God in praise. They're thanking God for what he's about to do. They're not entirely sure how it's going to happen, but he's promised he's going to give these people into their hands. And on day seven, thanking God in advance, the walls come tumbling down. You probably sang about it in Sunday school if you went to Sunday school. That's what the Bible says faith is. 
Faith is not believing God can do something because God can do it whether you believe it or not. Faith is believing God is going to do something even though you can't see it. I was trying to think of an analogy for this. This is the best I could do. I've got a bit of background in banking and finance. If I said to you, come to me after the service, I've got a gift for you, and you come to me at the end of the service, I've got to warn you now, I haven't got my checkbook on me, but if I wrote out a cheque for £5,000 and made it payable to you, would you thank me for it? I can see a few nods. <laughs> Some of you are awake. Yeah, you'd thank me. Even though you don't know whether it's going to be honoured, you'd thank me for it. There'd be an element of trust that if you were writing a cheque and said, this is now yours, that when you paid it into the bank, the money would get from my account to your account. If you wait until after a prayer has been answered to thank God for it, is that faith? No, that's gratitude. Saying thank you before you've received is faith. I read a good quote. Someone put it this way. That means if God tells you to go after Moby Dick in a rowing boat, you ought to take your knife and fork and some tartare sauce. (laughs) Faith is thanking God before I receive what he's promised me. And lastly this morning, I want to share this with you from these verses. Faith is trusting God even if I don't get it, even if I don't receive it. Some people have an attitude towards God that God is like a vending machine. You put your prayer in and God gives you what you asked for. And I want to tell you this morning, God is not a vending machine because vending machines sometimes give you things that you don't need. Vending machines will sometimes give you things that will harm you. And God will never give you anything that is bad for you. Some people teach another variant on this these days, don't they? That if you have enough faith, everything will be lovely in your life. You'll never be sick. And everything will go great. And I need to tell you that that's not true either. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more more interested in making you holy than he is in making you happy. The Bible says that faith is trusting if I don't get it. Here's the truth. God hears and answers every prayer you pay. Here's a truth. God doesn't always answer you the way you want him to. Sometimes when you pray, God says yes. Sometimes when you pray, God says no. Sometimes when you pray, God says not yet. And here in this passage we're told that sometimes when you come to him in faith, he says, I've got an even better idea. And all four of those answers are answers to your prayer. Did you notice the verse that we read at the end? All these people, all these people that we've read about, all these faith examples, they're all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what God had 
promised, God had something better planned. Living by faith does not exempt you from problems. Just ask the Christians in northern Nigeria where churches are being burnt down, where families are being slaughtered. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a problem and instead he says, no, we're going to strengthen you so that you can endure these situations and you're going to end up being stronger. And if God took all your problems away, then what would that make you anyway? A sport brat. God wants you to have character and strength and maturity. And so there are things that are going to be left in your life that you're going to have to endure. And anybody can trust God when things are great. Anybody can give when they've got lots of extra money. Anyone can keep going when the deadline's only half an hour away. Anybody can believe when it's right there in front of them. I want to remind you what the Bible says about faith. Faith that says, the Bible says that faith comes through hearing the word of God. That means that the more you read the Bible and study it and listen to it, the more you can grow in faith. And the opposite of that is true. If you never read the Bible, you're not going to be growing in faith. And the other way that God builds your faith is through trials and testings. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, These trials are only to test your faith, and your faith is more precious to God than mere gold. It will bring you much praise and honour on the day of his return. God uses difficulties to build your faith. My son-in-law-to-be said to me three weeks ago, with what's happening in Israel, do you think we'll end up getting married or is Jesus coming back soon? That's interesting, isn't it? The faithfulness of God. And this verse talks about that day when we will stand before God and he'll ask us, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And he'll ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? These trials and tests of these trials are only to test your faith. Your faith is more precious to God than mere gold. It will bring much praise and honour on the day of his return. God says, I want to use the difficult things in your life to build your faith. Let's pray together, can we? Would you let me lead you in prayer perhaps you can try and shape these words and make them your own <clears throat> dear God help me to be more like these people we've read about more like Noah and Abraham who obey you even though they really didn't understand what you were doing in their lives Help me to be more like Moses, to trust you and to persist and to keep going even when I don't feel like it. Help me to be like Abel, to give to you even if I don't feel as though I've got much to give. And help me to be like Joshua and to thank you before I've received what you want to give me. Teach me to trust you. And this morning, I just want to invite you to 
invite Christ into your life if you've never done that before. It's a decision I made in my early teenage years and it's the best decision I ever made. So pray this. Jesus Christ, help me to trust you. I do want to get to know you. And really, inside, I recognise and I yearn that you'd become the boss of my life, the head of my life, the focus of my life. Please teach me day by day how to live by faith in you. And in your name I pray. Amen. Invite Andrew and the guys to come and lead us in a couple more songs as we perhaps absorb something of what we've heard from God and respond in our own ways.